Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you use promo code DNVR, you'll get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. Uh, good, 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 good. Just, uh, you know, making my way through the day. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. We've It's officially fall now. It's nice and crisp in the morning and... Not too hot, not too uh, too gross outside. I imagine San Francisco. San Francisco pretty much stays the same temperature all year round. Is that about right? Yeah, it's uh, you know it, it it seems to. It's it's actually a little warmer uh, a lot of times right around now than it is sometimes in the middle of the summer. So um, you know, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to uh, your your guest this week or guests, I should say, this week on the Drew Goodman podcast. Maybe take a look at the uh, the postseason expected clubs there because we've got a new arrangement here in uh, in October, even going in through November. Maybe talk about the World Baseball Classic. But uh, let's start with Wednesday night's game and your guest from last week. For those who may not have already listened to uh, your conversation with Alan Trejo, but he continues to be really productive. Uh, Rockies did lose on Wednesday night, 6-3 in San Francisco. But Alan Trejo, two hits, only one uh, with with a two-hit night, a double homer, doing it from the ninth spot in the order. Man, he just continues to be so productive at the plate. Yeah, he's he's showing that he's a big leaguer. And, uh, you know, what level? Probably still to be determined. I, I think for many profiles as a utility guy, but he, he's somebody you never want to sell short. Um, we had this conversation about having a chip on his shoulder and you've heard me talk about this probably ad nauseum, whether it's with you, Patrick, or on my own show that I'm a big believer in life that, that you have to have that pot, you know, that good chip on your shoulder. You have to be, you know, highly motivated and, and highly competitive. And I, I think there's this notion that that everybody who gets to that level professionally in sports is that way, and and there's varying degrees. And and he he's really driven. I mean, he's driven by the fact that that Tovar is there. Not to say he's not a great teammate and 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 greets Tovar with open arms, but he's like, all right, you know what? I've I've been counted out so many different times. I was counted out. You know, at coming out of San Diego State as a 16th round pick, and and he has a lot of I want to show you guys. And so far, guess what? He, he's putting up numbers, and he's he's hitting the ball with authority. And 
Uh, we know he's got a good glove. So uh, let, let's just see where it all where it all goes with uh, with a guy like Alan Trejo. Yeah, that was one of the more interesting comments from last week about, you know, maybe the clubhouse needs more of that. And, and certainly if you've got an Alan Trejo, you've, you've got that kind of personality or whatever. But uh, that could be something for the offseason. That could be part of the chemistry uh, that Bill Schmidt and his team in the front office uh, will be looking to add is uh, someone who's maybe more of a leader with that chip on their their shoulder. Uh, and and that could that could help turn some things around uh, from the inside out. Well, you need you need that, and you need the bottom line is to get better. You need more talent. I mean, let's let's cut to the brass tacks. You need more talent, and you need the talent that you have in many places to be better than they've been. But you can't just you know wave the magic wand and everybody's going to be better because you want them to be better. It just doesn't always work that way. I mean, on occasion, you have a year where it seems like everybody has a, has a good season. See the Giants from 2021, you know, but, th- but those were guys by and large that had done it before the Posey, certainly the Crawfords, the, you know, the, the Brandon Belt had a career type of year, but he's been a productive player in the past and, and they all kind of played well in the same year and, and, um, you know, things fell their direction and they ended up winning 107 games. But to just fall back on that and say, oh, yeah, everybody's going to be better. Too many guys had a down year. Uh, that that's, that's not a recipe for success. That's not a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah could, couldn't agree more. Uh, unfortunately, uh, what went against the plan uh, that we learned on uh, Wednesday afternoon that Charlie Blackman's season is over. Torn meniscus there in his, his left knee. There was there was a moment on uh, on Sunday when he he his double down the line where he rounded first base, just kind of took a little bit of tight, look at a little tight, and you know Connor Joe came in, and uh, I'm I'm guessing that was probably that moment for him. So uh, he's done. He'll, he should be back next year. I think there's just a, a bit of paperwork to, to take care of as far as player option is concerned, but he'll be back next year and uh, he's out and uh, Jose Iglesias back in for the roster for this final week. Yeah. It's disappointing for Charlie and that he can't finish the season. We talked to him yesterday. In fact, I'm probably going to have him on. Uh, I think uh, whether it's this week or the next week, we're going to, we're going to tape something, you know, kind of, give his get his synopsis of the season and and moving forward but you know charlie yeah charlie is is on record he wants to come back he has is a player option i think the first part of the year the first half was a better better year for charlie than the second half i mean at one point he was on pace to hit you know 25 26 27 home runs uh he kind of got stuck on 16. he's disappointed that he can't finish the season being the clubhouse in la that's the kind of guy he is he he's wants to finish what he starts. He wants to be there as a teammate. So um, that, that from a personal standpoint is a, you know, is a bummer for Charlie. Um, But um, I I think it'll be good that he's back next year and what role he has, you know, is he playing, you know, for Charlie, I'm assuming he wants to play every day. You know how he's wired. I don't know if he wants to, you know, have some emeritus status and, and uh, you know, march around the clubhouse as the former great Rocky and, you know, kind of Jason Giambi pinch hitting twice a week, three times a week, maybe a start here and there. Uh, you know, he wants to play. He goes about his business in the offseason um, trying to get better, you know, and, and in certain respects, he was better this year than he was last year. Um, I thought it was going to be significantly so. It really becomes marginally so 
But anyhow, disappointing overall that Charlie can't finish the season. But let's face it, there's only a handful of games left, and, and the Rockies are limping right now to the finish line. It's funny you mentioned Jason Giambi because I'm, I'm recalling a conversation I had with Charlie last week, you know, try to stockpile a lot of off-season content and uh, make sure that when you do talk with him, you ask him uh, plenty about the new rules because uh, he will be quite frank. Most of the veteran guys, him, Daniel Bard, uh, those guys are not shy about sharing their thoughts on uh, the three new rules that will be coming next year. But I, I asked Charlie, like, you know, you've kind of been the leader. You've been uh, the, the old dog in the clubhouse for a couple years now, so this isn't totally new for you, but uh, who were those guys for you when you came up, you know, and Jason Giambi was the first name uh, out of his mouth. And he's, you know, again, if, if you know, you know that Giambi was a, a really you know key figure uh, for this team uh, during that run uh, in, in the early 2010s, 2009, and, you know, had some good games too himself, kind of, kind of doing those things that uh, Albert Pujols now we're getting used to seeing him doing at, at 42 years old. But um, yeah, it's bummer to, to Charlie's uh, we, we won't see him again in Los Angeles, but we might see, and, and we don't have Friday's starters yet. Thursday, we've got uh, Ryan Feltner versus uh, Carlos Radon. Finally get to see the left-hander there uh, against the Rockies. But Friday starter uh, looks like it's still to be determined, but it is lining up to be Chad Cool. And if it is, that also means he's going to start game 162. So twice in a week in the same location, I got to think that's somewhat of a rarity. I mean, maybe there were times in which you play a week at three game weekend, weekend series, you go to Denver and then you fly back to that same location and face the exact same team again. But again, one of those strange things that uh, comes out here at the end of 2022. Well, I put this in air quotes. John Brebbia has started three times against the Rockies in the last week. You know, he's pitched only one inning because it was Johnny Holstaff uh, day. Uh, for the Giants, and I think in each time he's done that, the Giants have won playing, uh, you know, just having a bullpen day. We'll see. I'm going to ask Buddy later on if he is, you know, maybe going to – maybe brings up Zach, you know, Davis again and gives him a – you know, an, or Noah Davis, I'm sorry, gives him an opportunity to, to get a start. Uh, is it – you know, what benefit is it other than, you know, Herman wants to – take the baseball every fifth day because that's how he's wired Kyle Freeland the same way but you know at some point is there a benefit to doing that and you're not playing I, th I think you know Buddy would lean in that direction because he strongly believes in the integrity of the game and the playoff picture but the games with the Dodgers are going to be absolutely meaningless the Dodgers have already won the division clearly so uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out from a pitching standpoint over the last six days the last thing that you want as you well know Patrick is anybody to go into the offseason you know dinged up even if it's not a serious thing you want them to be able to train and not rehab and then train um, and so I, I think Buddy will be really mindful of that but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him that specifically later uh, a little later on today. Yeah, as you explained it, that that's a great way of looking at it. Not like, well, these games don't entirely don't matter, so let's not play. No, let's just err on the side of caution, so that, as you said, you can start your, uh, you know, off-season workouts, uh, you know, as as scheduled. But, um, yeah, John Brebbia, Gaylord, he's the Gaylord Perry of our generation here now, as uh, as we've uh, quickly learned, starting twice in three days at Coors Field. That was an interesting one. You brought up the Dodgers, 107 wins. Now, that's I believe that's a franchise record for them. And well, we had a question uh, earlier this week, a super chat about 
you know, the, the Dodgers and, and their player development system. And, and I talked a little bit about, you know, what they do when, when somebody new comes into their organization, man, they, they give them like a full body scan to figure out where their weaknesses are and say, actually, you know what, you've got a little bit of a, of a flaw there on your left leg or, or you lean one way versus the other. So let's kind of work on those strengths. Um, what, what kind of, you know, insight might, might you have on, on some of those things that the Dodgers do well, cause they've, they got the do good juice over there and they, they, they magically play better. It's like that with a couple teams, Yankees and, and, and others we know, uh, but they also do things really well uh, overall in their player development system. Well, they, they spend a lot of money in a number of areas, as you're well aware. And I think people who follow baseball and certainly people who are listening to this podcast, I don't think this is going to come as some, uh, you know, news flash. Uh, they have one of the largest analytics departments in baseball. They have, even before there was something known as an analytics department, they've always done a good job in scouting. Um, they did a marvelous job early on in Latin America and, and getting talent out of Latin America. They were the pioneers almost um, down there. And they, they find guys that, that somehow fit a certain mold you know, guys that take pitches, you know, Max Muncy, even though the, the average isn't pretty, you know, a powerful guy that walks a lot. And they, they just find guys to fit roles. They, they've also done a, a ridiculously good job in identifying either bounce back candidates on the mound, whether they were in Japan, whether they were journeymen. And it, it's, it does seem like it's amazing. I, I've used this line before. You just referenced it. Uh, it, it seems like they put Dodger blue on and they put the, they, they go into the do good machine and, and all of a sudden you're Tyler Anderson, you're going to get Cy Young votes. You know, Tyler Anderson had some nice moments with the Rockies, highly competitive, great change up, uh, you know, he can sink the baseball, but you know, he's done it start after start after start. Now, yeah, it's great to pitch at Dodger stadium. I understand that, but I mean, they, they just have so many of these guys and I can't put my finger Patrick, uh, as to why um, year in and year out, it's that way. I will tell you this much. And again, this, this is not a revelation for you. When you line up Mookie Betts, who they traded for, when you line up Trey Turner, who, whom they traded for, when you line up Freddie Freeman, whom they traded for, excuse me, who they signed in the offseason as a free agent, those first three guys in the lineup, and then Will Smith, who they drafted, um, those first three guys in particular, I, I heard a visit uh, another player on another team tell me last week, he goes, they're going to come around in the eighth or ninth inning. So if they're tied or down a run or the ball game's close in any way, shape or form, you're going to have to navigate those three at some point late in the game. And it's impossible to get all three of them. And then all of a sudden, maybe you had a, a one out double. And next thing you know, you got a Will Smith at the plate or a Justin Turner. So, I mean, it's not it's not like there's a big drop off after those first three guys were all MVP caliber players. You know, in the case of Freeman and Betts, they've won MVPs. Trey Turner is probably going to be a year in and year out candidate. You know, Will Smith's really good. Justin Turner, you know, it it, it doesn't end. And even when you get to the Muncie's. You know, he can flip a you know, ball over the wall or, or he walks. And next thing you know, you have another guy and you're like, there's there's no end. So, yeah, they're deep. They're talented. They're great in the bullpen, assuming they're healthy. I know they, you know, they've made some changes with Kimbrell, but it's not an accident they're winning that many games. 
Yeah, it's definitely. Not I hope an I accident. answered your question. I don't know if I did. I don't. I don't know why they're they're so much better. Uh, they can hold big contracts. There's very few teams, Patrick, that that can have a a Freeman making. I forget what he signed for. 160, 180. Mookie Betts is three and a quarter, I believe, something like that. Trey Turner, I assume they're going to do everything they can to keep him because they let Seager go. That's going to be a big number. Uh, you know, they still play pay Justin Turner a nice salary. You know, there's Kershaw. There, I mean, it goes on and on and on. They can afford uh, that kind of payroll. So, you know, that doesn't hurt either. Yeah, that, for sure. They they can take on those kind of larger contracts that other teams don't want, and and get good players for them. Like they've made some you know incredibly thrifty trades uh, in the past with other teams taking on big contracts and moving stuff around. So you're right, that kind of financial flexibility uh, can be can be very uh, very helpful uh, to say the least. But yeah, look, if you're looking for game changing type tailgates, uh, and who's the difference here in Denver? It's us, the DNVR.com. It's only 50 cents for your first month. You get price breaks on our tailgates, different party buses that we have for nuggets and abs. You get a free shirt from DNVRlocker.com. Uh, if you have an annual membership, you get access to the members only discord and maybe best bet. And look, bottom line, if we're just talking Financially, if you're coming down to the DNVR bar in the corner of Colfax and York, and you're going to have a couple beers uh, and, and grab a bite to eat, if you're a member, you get 15% off your tab every time you come in. So uh, just even that in and of itself is probably going to more than pay uh, for your annual subscription to the DNVR.com. Ivaca, we've seen it all around Coors Field this season. It's the new goat in Colorado sports, the greatest of all TV, right? No catches, no no contracts. Ivaca is TV made for champions of the remote. You still got seven or so games uh, with our guy Drew Goodman here on AT&T Sportsnet. That's part of the package. Same thing for Altitude Sports. You can get the NFL Network. It's all crystal clear HD with less bandwidth, over 60 entertainment channels. Uh, you can use Sling, so you got you can watch on your phone, laptop, tablet, you name it. Just head on over to evaca.tv slash Colorado 10. That's evoca.tv slash Colorado 10. And instead of $25 per month plus the $5 receiver fee, it's only going to be $15 for your first three months when you go to this website. We're giving you a nice $10 discount for those first three months. And as you watch the Broncos and you get yourself all hyped up here for maybe a, a true, more dominant victory, make sure you're drinking the brew of the season. It's Breck Brews Broncos Country Pale Ale. Show off that colorful, the colorful Colorado legacy with the Orange Crush logo and 100% Colorado uh, ingredients. This will be your go-to for the entire football season. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Broncos Country Pale Ale near you. One of the other guys I wanted to talk about for the Rockies. Uh, and I, I've, I've been asking around a little bit about it, working on a piece myself, is Michael Tolia and his potential on the defensive side. In right field, you know, he's he's been very surprising. I, you know, I think the arm leaves a little something to be uh, wanting, but uh, we know that's a much different throw to make uh, from right field than it is from first base. Uh, but he's, he's been tracking some balls down, taking some really good routes. But more importantly, at first base, man, he has got, Great baseball IQ, great instinct, and I sort of think he's aggressive a little bit defensively at first base in a good way. We've seen that a couple times, getting a guy out of third base there in an extra inning game last week. Um, you know, 
the throws down to, to second base on a, a three, six, one double play. He has been really impressive defensively in, in, a, in a short amount of time. Absolutely. Um, and he is as advertised because we had heard a couple of years ago that he was really good defensively at first base. I asked him yesterday in the dugout prior to the game, uh, I, I said, which do you prefer playing, you know, on the dirt or, or out in right field? Cause remember uh, two nights ago, he made a wonderful catch in that corner and I got, uh, you know, had to slide. He looked like an accordion, but um, really nice play. He takes good routes in the outfield, but he prefers being on the dirt. He really likes, um, you know, being at first base, uh, fielding ground balls, picking balls out of the dirt. He's good. He's he's really good. And and now uh, let's see how the offense progresses. Young guy just getting his feet wet. We've seen some good. We've seen some extra base hits uh, as of last night. He had more extra base hits. Uh, 11 than anybody else on the team in the month of September. A couple home runs, one from each side. We, he had the game where he had a couple of triples. Um, you know, like a lot of young players, got to learn to, uh, uh, you know, get the ball and play a little bit more, cut down on the strikeouts. Uh, but there's there's been a lot to like about Michael Tolia so far. Yeah, it's been been very intriguing. And I love the symmetries too. And I'm sure you guys have mentioned on the broadcast that Todd Helton started his career as a corner outfielder. Uh, of course, Andre Scalaraga was at first base at the time, but nevertheless, you know, he wins a, himself four gold glove awards. So uh, we'll kind of wait and see what happens for Toga. Not setting the bar that high, but it's just interesting how uh, those two guys who work together totally even wore number 17 down in spring training for a little while at the start of this year. So uh, it's been really nice to see Tolia do things on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, no, yes, without without question. Um he's uh he's got a versatility to him what you want to, and, and a big guy who has versatility uh you know little guys sometimes they have to be versatile he's a big guy with versatility and and that'll play out you know going forward next year if the rockies keep cj crone for you know next season which um, i i don't know what their offseason plans are as of yet but um, you know he has one year left on, on his deal um, so yeah, he, he, he gives you options, but he, some, some of these guys got to step forward. I mean, we were talking about the Dodgers, Patrick, and the bottom line is this, I mean, you, you, we both can have a million conversations about what happened, what transpired, what didn't happen. The Rockies need good stories more than, more than some of the elite teams financially. And the Rockies are no different than probably 24, 25 other teams where you really need a couple of good stories with young players where all of a sudden they become a household name because they perform at such a high level and now they're helping you win games. Um, the Dodgers can rely on more household names uh, in that they have the payroll to, to do that. Uh, Bill Schmidt referred to Chris Bryan, as you know, we, we lost an aircraft carrier. He needs to be our aircraft carrier. Well, in a perfect world, yeah, I get that. The reality is, you know, Chris is whatever, 31 now, and, and hopefully he can be that aircraft carrier. But but maybe he's not quite that, that guy anymore. Um, we'll see. Well, obviously, they're paying him to, to be that guy. But you need other... Again, good stories. You need next year Michael Tolia to pop, and he's a 25 home run guy. Or uh, a Tovar figures it out really quickly, and he's playing slick defense, and he hits 22 home runs as a as a young shortstop. You got to have some stories like that 
especially on the offensive side, because they have such a long way to go right now offensively. And it's not just on the road where they don't hit home runs and they don't score runs, fewest runs in baseball per game, fewest home runs by a bunch on the road. It's also at home. They're not, they're not as dominant as they need to be offensively, which would lead to more victories at home. They, they finish just a game above 500. So um, yeah, you, you need Bryant back. Uh, you, you need other guys though, to all of a sudden really emerge. Yeah. Tovar is that guy to, you know, that, that is needed to, to emerge, uh, as you mentioned there. And, and this is our first time talking since that debut. And, and since the weekend, uh, Rockies, of course, did go one and six at home, which again, that kind of highlights that, that issue with uh, not being able to dominate at home as, as you would like. But I mean, you, you had an average of like 44,000 for the entire weekend, 48,000 for the fireworks, 45 on Saturday, 40,000 on, on Sunday uh, for, for Tovar, who, with with a packed house, man, two pitches, two hits. That that was that was really special. I'm I'm curious if you know if that ranks anywhere. If that's that's a memorable performance uh, as far as maybe debuts are concerned for you. Good question, Patrick. Really good question. And I, and my answer is going to be this. I hope it it's really memorable. It'll be really memorable if three or four years from now you and I are sitting here doing this show. And we're talking about, yeah, Tovar is an all-star. And Tovar, where do you rank him in, among the best shortstops in baseball? You know, we're having one of those conversations. Then we'll reflect back. Remember his opening day, man? Saw two pitches and lined one to center, one lined one to left. Absolutely. However, there's been a lot of prospects. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. There's been a lot of prospects, great prospects, or for whatever reason, you know, don't make it. I mean, Spencer Torkelson's still very young, but Detroit had to send him out. He was one of the top prospects, if not at one point, the top prospect in baseball. And he did not have a good year with Detroit. Now, if Tovar, you know, never makes it at that level, we probably will forget what happened his first couple at bats. My fingers are crossed and I know how talented he is. And and I'm hoping more for the the former in this conversation where we're lamenting that at some point because, you know, he's had you know, such a great, you know, first few years in the game, but that's kind of how I'd answer that. I know that that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's true. I think it like, it puts things in perspective because there, there are other guys who've had, you know, pretty monumental type major league debuts, but you know, their footnotes, their names that you might not know. Uh, and, and if, if you know the name, you're going to remember all the details. We're going to go back and talk about, you know, the 10 best moments, uh, of Ezekiel Tovar's career up to this point now, since he's, you know, he joins Tulo and, and story as, you know, shortstops to, to make the all-star game for the Rockies. I think, you know, that makes plenty of sense. In the, in the last week we've, you know, and, and even this season to a degree had, had a lot of mentions of Peter Lambert and he's a guy that outside of, uh, I think maybe he had two appearances last year, you know, a lot of maybe more recent Rockies fans don't know him at all. You know, he was, he was hurt in 2020, uh, played a little bit in, in 2019, but he's just been this name, uh, around there yet he had a great start to his career uh was the last guy to actually have a base hit in the first pitch uh, that he ever saw but his de- debut there in, in Wrigley Field and at the end of 2019 that was you know pretty promising and you thought okay this this is going to be a guy that's going to be a, an important rotation piece for the Rockies going forward maybe number four kind of guy we'll see what happens and we haven't seen anything from him since and so of course we don't remember that debut as well of wow, all right, shut down a, a really solid Chicago Cubs team uh, and did great, didn't care about, you know, the the big moment there at Wrigley Field and was fantastic. 
But again, we don't talk about that because of what happens after. So I, I think your answer makes a lot of sense. We we don't know how, how big of a debut that is until we have more context uh, for the rest of his career, at least the next couple of seasons, if you will. Yeah, it, it's akin to uh, with Tovar, pick your sport, pick your organization that's maybe had a couple of really good ones at a key spot, whether it's you know, the Broncos, Elway, not directly to, to Peyton Manning, but you have two Hall of Famers, and then you're a young quarterback coming in, drafted high, and we've seen that happen a couple of times. And, you know, the expectations are high, not only where they were drafted, but given that they play a position where there's some strong history there. For this kid, Tovar, and he seems unaffected by what happened before him. He's his own guy. Uh, he He's mature. Uh, from what I can gather so far for a 21 year old playing at the big league level, he, he's undaunted by that. But I think for all fans, it's natural going, he's the next Tulo, he's the next Trevor Story. You know, pump the brakes a little bit. Let, let this kid be the, the next Ezekiel Tovar, whatever that may be. Um, but when you come to an organization that's had um, recent giants almost at that position, um, the comparisons are natural and they are easy to go to. Yeah, you, you want that to be the case, but you, you can't you can't bank on it by by any means. Life is what happens when you're busy making plans. So uh, we, we hope uh, those things come to fruition. Jonathan Daza uh, batted lead off last night. And I mentioned that because you know, we've seen him a couple of times there just here and there. Uh, but that was, you know, one of the spots I, I think, you know, Bill Schmidt addressed over the weekend saying, you know, we need a leadoff hitter. Uh, maybe that's a, a guy like Brandon Nimmo here from uh, Wyoming, not too far away. But Jonathan Daza could be one of those guys if they, they can't find a fit. We know how good he is defensively out there in center field. Uh, I believe his on-base percentage right now is 348 going into Thursday's game. Uh, I know, you know, you, you want at least a 340 uh, on-base percentage in the first spot. Does make a lot of contact, doesn't walk a ton. Uh, so you might have to, you know, tweak a couple things there in his game. But uh, do, you, do you expect to see, you know, a lot more of, of Daza batting leadoff? Or, or do you think he could be a candidate for the Rockies next year, perhaps? I, I think that that entire question um, will hinge on who they're able to get if they're able to add which I know they want to add. And, we, and we've and we talked about this. They need to add talent. Talent wins. I laugh when people go, oh, Buddy Black. Buddy, Buddy Black's a really good manager. Buddy Black's a really respected guy in the clubhouse. Uh, you got to have talent, man. I used to say this, Patrick, and forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but within reason, you and me, could have coached the Bulls during their heyday. And on the, you know, the year they won 72 games, I was doing the NBA back then, and they were so loaded. And on the the rare occasion, somebody was close to them late. Could we not have gathered everybody around and said, hey, listen, Horace, you inbounded to Michael, and everybody else get the hell out of the way, right? That's That's our last play. Clear out for Michael. My point is talent wins. Talent wins. And in, in the specific question about Daza, I like Daza a lot. Good bat-to-ball skills, high energy, good outfielder. You can't have three Dazas, though. Daza doesn't hit the ball over the wall. The Rockies need to improve dramatically in their power 
production. So you can have one guy like Daza, and, I, and I'm a fan of Daza. He's grown on me quite a bit, I'm going to be honest. He really has. Uh, and, and I go back to the personality, personality and the energy and the want to and the, and the I'm going to be here every day kind of thing on both sides of the ball. Would, would you like Daza to be more of a base stealer? Sure. Would you like him to hit 30 home runs? Yeah, that's not who he is. Um, but I, I think Daza plays. But you got to be really good on the other corners, and all the corners have to, you know, raise the bar. You got to get a lot more home runs out of at a second base um, with Brendan Rodgers. If, if Brendan's, you know, obviously he's the guy right now, and I'm a big fan of Brendan's. Um, he has great bat to ball skills. He's a good hitter, but he'll be the first to tell you he can't hit it on the ground to the level he has. So uh, I know I'm bouncing around, but with Daza. Daza works if you raise the bar in several other places significantly. That's that's yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, we, we we definitely could see that a little bit more going forward. He's got he's got the swag, right? He's uh, he he was the dagger, I think, last year in swagger and dagger. But he, he also yeah. he's got that uh, swagger, and uh, and you definitely can have your own swagger with pins and aces. In fact, I think there was a group of Rockies players who actually went to uh, uh, their location. It's a Colorado business, so they make. Uh, awesome golf apparel they're actually our official partner here uh, at dnvr we love our pins and aces gear we get tons of compliments on and off the golf course when we wear it they make amazing polos hats golf bags and they even got a really cool beer sleeve this innovative product that actually allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag keep them cold the entire round check out pinsandaces.com and use code dnvr to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping with that that's pinsandaces.com you hear me talk about it all the time, athletic greens, one scoop in a nice glass of, of cold water. I got their little shaker bottle there, and I get 75 high-quality vitamins, whole food source, superfoods, minerals, adaptogens, probiotics. It starts my day off the right way. It's what I'm going to be doing on Saturday when I attempt to run a marathon with okay training. It's enough. It'll be a slog, but I know I need to start with athletic greens to kind of get me through there, get those nutrients in my body when everything starts to break down. Uh, it's great before that first cup of coffee because you're already going to start getting a little bit of clarity there uh, when you when you get that scoop in you. Make, to make it easy, athletic greens is going to hook you up with a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D along with five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you need to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ROC. Those are the first three letters of Rockies. Athleticgreens.com slash ROC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Good luck with the marathon. Where, which marathon are you doing? It's called Longview Marathon. It goes from and like it, Fort Collins to, to Loveland. And it's mostly concrete, which is unfortunate. But I think, you know, most marathons are on concrete. I do. I do like the dirt beneath, uh, beneath the feet. Uh, it's, it's a lot less pounding, but yeah, I just I gotta get off the schneid. It's I feel like it's been a couple of years since I've done an official one. So yeah, I, I kind of I didn't want to say it, but um, I felt like you were being awfully lazy, you know, not having run a marathon in in a significant period of time. Shame on you. That is no, I I agree. It's shame on me, not shame on you, because uh, I, I want to I do want to talk a little bit about Aaron Judge, but uh, this week's podcast really really enjoyed it. You had Spilly and Huey on. For the season wrap up, I love your end of season awards and and hearing those guys takes and uh, and that the little banter back and forth at, about you know who should win, who shouldn't, and you also slip in there a statistic about Sean Bouchard about how he's very much like Aaron Judge. 
I was not expecting that nugget. That was great. I, I think that's an embellishment saying that we had Sean Bouchard very much like Aaron Judge. I think it had to do with uh, on-base percentage in the month of September specifically. Um, but, uh, hey, hey, kudos to Sean Bouchard, man. He, he's walked seven straight games. Seven straight games. He's drawn a walk. And oftentimes it's a multi-walk game. So, you know, he, he's a he's a guy that we don't talk a lot about, but, you know, he's he's probably opened some eyes as, you know, a potential piece. Um, and when I say piece, I'm not talking about necessarily, oh, he's, he's an everyday guy. I don't know if he's an everyday guy. You never want to sell anybody short, but, you know, as a guy that comes off the bench or plays a couple times a week, I think he's shown that he has the ability, uh, you know, to maybe be a big leaguer. So, you know, good for Sean Bouchard. Yeah, good, good attitude, good clubhouse guy, and uh, bring brings the good vibes, like Ryan Spielborgs and and Jeff Houston. So I really, uh, really enjoyed that one. And we also learned this week. So I'm I'm number one. I got the I'm your your first listener of the Drew Goodman podcast. We learned last week, Bud Black, number two. He's listener number two. Big fan of the Drew Goodman podcast. I I, I didn't forget. I didn't forget from last week. Um, yeah, I you know listen. Um, I, I hope buddy, uh, on occasion is, is bored enough that he pops that on when he goes for his morning workout, uh, buddy, <laughs> buddy's got a lot on his plate and he probably sees me enough. I don't know if he has to listen to my podcast as well, but if he does bless you, buddy, he'll be on coming up here too. So that's good. You know what? I, I think I've done this at least once, if not twice, I get buddy Patrick on his drive back to san diego now yeah you know he has his colorado home which he loves um but he he likes to drive back to san diego and it's a way it's like cathartic form he kind of unwinds and i know at least once i'll call him during that long drive right i think he does it over two days and um and that and that's when we talk and and ultimately we do stuff on tape for kind of an end of season deal I remember that from last year. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's right. That is that's so cathartic of, of like letting it you know kind of wash away, having that you know solitude. I mean, that that's what it feels like for me when I run. Of, of you know you kind of you're flushing out all these things in your mind. Uh, you're you're he's he's leaving home right. He's leaving Denver. He's running away from it all after the end of the season. But then when he's done on his trip, he's also back home and he's ready to start anew. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll be looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, I got to see how he's doing it this year because he he usually um, runs down to instructional league and uh, in, instructs or the Arizona Fall League for a minute. Um, but you know he he needs to unwind too. You you just like you need to unwind. We all need to unwind after you know going day in and day out for you know for seven months. So um, we we all we all need that uh, that time away. What's the over under on him saying to you? All right, Goody. I got good news and bad news. Good news is I'm driving back to San Diego. Bad news is I'm doing it on a Harley. What? <laughs> that might be a hard conversation. <laughs> well, the the chances of Buddy riding a Harley back from Denver, I think, is whatever whatever negative number you want to apply. I think would be apropos. Under. So the under all all the whole way. Well, under yes. Yes, the you know, Buddy's a, got some renaissance to him. I just don't see him on, on a Harley 
It may be Joe Madden, his good buddy. I just don't know if it's – I don't know if I see Buddy screaming across St. George, Utah. I'm, make, I'm making a note there. for We've got a lot of time to fill in the offseason. Top five managers most likely caught on a motorcycle. Right, I'm going to bring – because you brought this up, I'm yep. going to – and I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to say, hey, listen, I was talking to my man Patrick today on his podcast – and he and we were talking about, you know, you driving back. And I say, what's the chances, Patrick asked me, of you riding a Harley back to uh, the San Diego area? He's going to he'll get a kick out of that. He will. Gabe Kapler, maybe you got to ask Gabe. He, he could do that. I could see that. Gabe, Gabe, I could see him doing that. He's on I the could list. See him doing that. I don't know if he's a motorcycle guy. He's, he's into a lot of different things. I don't know if he's a, I'll ask. You know what? I'll ask him today, too. I said, you're a motorcycle guy. He might paddleboard. I mean, he's he's like from Santa Monica. I feel like he could paddle paddleboard down from San Francisco. I could yeah, see. Th- yeah, I think you're onto something there. Something tells me he can ha- hold his own on, on the surfboard, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. and All right. he probably prefers that. You know, body beautiful guy, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah, that that would definitely works for him. All right, Aaron Judge, sixty-one homers, gets it done in game one fifty-four. Uh, Yankees 154th game, which, you know, that's that's what uh, partially the the film 61 asterisk is about. Uh, Bowie Kuhn said, hey, you, you got to do it in 154 games or else it doesn't count because that's what Babe Ruth did. Hey, Judge uh, did actually accomplish that. So new AL uh, record, at least ties for the, the AL record and, and ties for the Yankee record. And it's certainly the most home runs by a right-handed hitter in American League history. I think Jimmy Fox had the record before that with 58. Yeah, Patrick, I think I, I think his um, you usually know such things. I believe once he hit sixty for those few games that he did not homer in until last night, I think his walk rate was like 36 percent uh, of his at bats, and and I saw most of them as I know you did, and and all good baseball fans were able to see him, and it's like he wasn't getting anything to hit, and he finally did last night, and um, I, I was fortunate enough to be watching it live, and. He line, he, he kind of hit a Stanton-esque home run because you know his home runs normally are these majestic high, you know, 28, 32 degree fly balls, um, where Stantons are like 16 degrees and they're a bullet. He he hit one of those out, but um, special moment, and you can tell how adored he is by his teammates, just how they received him when he got back near the dugout. Yeah, such a such a great moment. Also, kind of fitting that the guy who nearly caught the ball but did not uh, was named Frankie Lasagna, real name. Yeah. So that was that was a nice uh, Yankee style wrinkle. Uh, I didn't see that. Home. That's the guy's name. Yeah. <laughs> that, what do you like? It. Roll out of pot of bangs? Forget about it. I think yeah. pretty much. Uh, so Frankie Lasagna misses it. Uh, Judge ends up getting the ball back. You know, gives it to his mom, and that embrace. You know, between Roger Maris Jr. and his mom. Um, was was just just so nice for that to have happened. It, it, it it's great for it to come together. When he does hit sixty two, who knows? Hopefully, he doesn't. Have, we don't have to wait another week for him to do that. But uh, that that will be great. He's had such a wonderful season. He's had an amazing season. He's had a great season, and by all indications, as we were kind of discussing, he's a great kid. Um, I, I mentioned this with you in the past. I know DJ, who uh, you know I adore and have the highest regard for. I know DJ is really close with uh, with Judge, and. You know, that kind of, I think, speaks to, you know, who Aaron Judge is, just knowing DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, we got to gotta find out, has has there been any buzz 
around Oracle Park about maybe Aaron Judge coming to San Francisco. They've been kind of one of those names that are out there. I think the Yankees, they have almost have to do everything they can to make sure that he doesn't suit up in another uniform here uh, in free agency. But the Giants are they're kind of always in the mix for these big name guys. I mean, they almost you know did it with Bryce Harper. I remember when he was a free agent, and so you know they've they've got some money to spend for sure. And uh, you know he's from that area in general, at least, or went to school in Fresno, and you know he's from the LA area, so I'm sure he wouldn't mind being back in California. But have you? Is there is there a buzz going around Oracle? Well, I mean, let, let's be let's be frank. You and I both know buzz means people like you and me, or writers write or speak on podcasts or radio shows about. Hey, wouldn't be a good fit if Aaron Judge was in San Francisco. After all, he went to Fresno State. He's a Californian. The Giants have deep pockets. Uh, you know, until you and, and you can't hear that from an ownership. Uh, perspective right now because that would be tampering um, so you can look at all of the usual suspects and they're they're probably all going to line up in some way shape or form to see and kick the tires on on an Aaron Judge I think the Yankees clearly the Mets you would assume with the deep pockets of Steve Cohen who's I think uh, I, I said it on my podcast Patrick, and you remember stuff I said more than I remember stuff I said. Uh, I, I think it's Cohen's fifth wealthiest owner in sports. Steve Ballmer's number one with the Clippers. Uh, so, you know, those two teams, the Dodgers, they're always mentioned. Giants, and then there's always a sleeper team. There's always a team that says, hey, we're going to go for it. But when you start playing the, ge ge excuse me, the geography game, I, I usually kind of give you the raised eyebrows. I don't mean you. I mean, euphemistically, it's like Trevor Story. He's going to, the Rangers are going to sign Trevor Story because he's, he's from that area. And it just makes sense. Let me explain something. When you make 25, 30, 35 million friggin' dollars a year, you're going to live in the best neighborhood in whatever town you're playing in for the six months. And if you like another state better or another part of our country better for the six months that you're not playing, you can buy a home there in the best neighborhood in that place. It doesn't matter. Let's not get all caught up in, oh man, this guy's from Southern California. So therefore he's going to go back there. This doesn't work that way. So when MLB expands to 64 teams, there will be players who do not care about the weather when playing for the North Pole Elves. Well, and, hey, it goes I love the neighborhood. I love the school. Yeah, if it goes to 64, like the hoop tournament, I guess they're at 68. Um, it, it may not be North Pole, but Nome, Nome is going to be, you know, having their representatives uh, fly to New York with why Nome would be such a wonderful place for Major League Baseball. The schools in Fairbanks, Alaska are top notch. So, I, it, it, hey, it makes sense. I could, I could see that possibly working there. Yeah. I did have a conversation with uh, an old friend of mine, Jean Martineau, who's uh, vice president of the Avalanche. I saw him at a at a get together the other day, and you know, he, big, big, big baseball fan. And we were talking about baseball in Montreal. And uh, I, I still hope when baseball does expand to thirty two, and I know you know Nashville and Las Vegas and Portland and some of the you know, frequently met Charlotte, the frequently mentioned cities, and not to suggest they all aren't, you know, 
deserving or, or can't be persuasive in why they are deserving. Uh, but Mont- I'd love to see Major League Baseball back in Montreal. And, and then you truly you have another t- team in Canada. Um, fact, I would be thrilled if it was Montreal and Vancouver, just selfishly, two tremendous cities. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe I just, you know, my, my consciousness in, in 93 and 98 isn't what it is now, but it, it does seem like there are a lot of very viable options for MLB for those, those two new spots that are coming up. Like, you know, you really can have your pick and it, you're going to have a lot of success at pretty much in any of those places. So um, not, a, not a, not a bad problem to have uh, by any means. Have you started to, to think about here uh, as we wrap up uh, the postseason and, and what it looks like? Cause it, I feel like I got my feet under me, but it, it took a week of, of trying to contextualize. Okay. The first two seeds, they get a buy, then you've got uh, the the other division winners, the three seed, and they play the the worst wild card team, and the best wild card team gets to host. And now we're we're kind of like settling in and, and to what these matchups are like, uh, which which means if you get a buy, I mean you're you're going to be similar uh, have a similar situation to the 2007 Rockies. You're gonna you're gonna be off for about a week uh, until you have uh, a game there in the division series. Yeah, and I don't know if we make too much of that. If a if a high seed has the six seven days off, Patrick, and then they lose, and naturally we're gonna see things written and spoken. Well, they 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 got stale because baseball is a game that's played every day, and, and they didn't play for a week, and you can only practice and scrimmage and simulate so much. Uh, so that narrative will will always be out there from this day forward. I'm excited to see the three game. The, you know, the two out of three, because, you know, you go down one nothing, man, the next day is a must win. And I, I love postseason baseball in that you may see Clayton Kershaw roll out of the bullpen that, you know, Max Scherzer come in to to, you know, get six outs in the middle of a game because there is no tomorrow, that kind of thing. And the fact that in that wild card series that we're initially referencing, it's all at one ballpark. It's okay. You were the higher seed. You don't have to get on a plane. All three are going to be played here if three are necessary. Um, I, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's um, it's it's a really nice innovation to the game. Yeah, it's, it's much different than the NFL, where if you have a bye week, I mean, having two weeks off, you can you can rest up and you can recover and get a get a great game plan together, what have you. This, you know, not as much. It's uh, it will be interesting. I have heard some people suggest. No, if, if you got a, a buy in the first round, like that's that's going to be huge for you going forward. It also helps you're one of the top two teams. But I'm not convinced that you know a wild card team can't even win two on the road, and then go on, go on a run right there and knock out the number one or number two seed. They're also not restructuring um, the, the the matchups. So if the number six team wins, you know the the final wild card team that sneaks in, they're going to get the number two seed. They're not going to get the number one seed. So that's uh, just going to be what it is so um it, it'll it'll be fun it'll be fun to have a nice new wrinkle here going into october yeah, the, the one yeah the one the one thing we definitely know about baseball and wild card and even with this new format to your point any team can win it the braves won 88 games we all know that and they were the last one standing last year you go back to the marlins in 97 and 03 and and they you know under a different format they got a roll and they won 
the the Rockies in 07 were a wild card team. They barely got in the playoffs. They had to play a game 163, and and they ended up in a World Series. So uh, baseball, more than any other sport, it certainly is possible. So even with the new format, I wouldn't dismiss that as um, as still a um, something that could occur. Uh, you know, I I was going to say I'm trying to remember what I was going to say about the oh the the one thing about game 163s and and you know the Rockies played in a legendary one I don't know if all fans realize you will not see another 163 I mean if the Rockies as they did in 18 um, were to finish in a tie with the Dodgers there wouldn't have been a game one there wouldn't be a game 163 moving forward as there was in in 2018 um, there would be just a, a, okay the the Rockies won the season series 10 to nine therefore the Rockies would be declared division winners and if somehow they didn't play 19 that year and going forward they won't and it was a it was a tie then they would look at division record okay the Dodgers you know had a better division record than the Rockies and they would be declared uh, division winners so there won't be uh, the drama of a game 163 but you could have a drama of very early on game three in the wild card, you know, being, you know, winner go home. And so you'll have more of those. So it, it'll be fun, man. It, it, it really, it really will be fun. You, you brought it up one last thing. Cause Saturday is the 15th anniversary of game 163, October 1st, favorite memory or favorite. You feeling old thinking that that was 15 years ago now. I mean, it's a, it's a cool little anniversary. Yeah. I never feel old. I will never give into that. Um, Good man. I like idea. that. What are, what are my memories? Uh, I, I think the first thing, Patrick, when you said that, the first thing that jumped in my head was I was with my family. I was, we were doing pre and post game, super pre and post game shows, right? Once the network went, you know, before they went on the air and once they went off the air, which was a lot of fun because, you know, we've been with the team all year. And so to be able to kind of continue on and, and, but I was watching the game from seats. I wasn't up at press level, but I was all dressed up suit and tie and big overcoat, I believe, because it was pretty cool if, if memory serves me correctly. And, um, you know, I was watching with my family and when we got to the 13th inning and after Scott Hairston had hit the home run, I said, all right, I'll see you guys later. And I made my way to the camera well area by the Rockies dugout, just getting ready to go on the field and, and kind of do the postmortem, you know, interviews of the disappointment of, you know, coming so close and this great, great run, but it's going to fall short in game 163 and extra innings to the Padres. And then like everybody just being blown away, and, and also the other thing I recollect is just how fast, at least in reflection, it seems to have happened. It was like, you know, Tulowitzki and, and next thing, and, and next thing, you know, there's holiday and there's a line drive and Jamie Carroll, and there's a line drive to right. And Giles makes the catch and you're like flat footed. There's no way he can throw him out. And then he makes the perfect throw. And, and, you know, we know what transpired, but that's what I, that's the first thing that comes to mind that I was making my way from my family to get ready to go on the field. And everybody was kind of glum because it was, you know, it, you know, the, the Rockies were going to lose. That's wild. Yeah. So you were, you were, you were in the, you were in the camera well at that point. So you got to see with your naked eyes right there. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even have great. I don't remember exactly when it happened. Was I? I, I think I was in the camera well. I mean, as yeah. as I recall, I I mean, I wouldn't have been standing in front of people. I would have, you know, I was doing it kind of between innings. But I think it was between the top of the thirteenth and the bottom of the thirteenth thirteenth when you know now the Rockies were down by a couple of runs. So yeah, I was I was in the camera well, and um, you know, it was bedlam. It was bedlam. That's 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 wonderful. Yeah, we missed those times. That was great. Anniversary, fifteen years. My yeah, mind. It's, it's gonna be a lot of that fun living it. It's gonna be fun reliving it. Fun uh, listening to the Drew Goodman podcast, uh, as I do and as most of you do already, each and every Thursday when it drops. Ryan Spielborg's Jeff Houston talking about the season here for the Rockies and uh, end of year awards. It's a good one. Uh, make sure you're listening and subscribed. Make sure you're following him uh, on Twitter at Drew Goodman forty two. We are at DNVR underscore Rockies, and I'm at Patrick the Lions on Twitter. Goody, appreciate your time as always. You've, you've, you've entertained us all as you as you always do. But unfortunately, as they always say, or I, only I say, I'm the only one who says it. Uh, momentum, look, it's only as good as your next show. So we will actually talk to you tomorrow around noon for the Dodger series. <laughs>